Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come to this great and holy season of Lent, a time to get back to spiritual basics, a time when the church looks at some of its most fundamental and spiritually significant texts. We begin this first Sunday of Lent with Luke's account of the temptation of Jesus, the beginning of his public life. You know, a basic biblical principle is the best way to disempower evil is to look at it and to see it. Think of the, um, the bronze serpent in the desert, you know, so those who looked at it were cured. So here's Jesus at the beginning of his public life looking at three things that might deviate him from the path, three temptations. And of course, to say that Jesus is fully divine is not to deny for a minute that in his human nature he felt temptation. Well, we can learn from this too. Can we look honestly and directly at those things that will cause us to deviate from the path the Lord has for us? The place for the temptation, of course, is the desert, and that's very important too spiritually, isn't it? Blaise Pascal, the great Catholic philosopher and, and, uh, and writer, said that we spend most of our lives with divertissement, that means diversions. We divert ourselves from the great questions of who we are, where we're going, what's the purpose of life, what is eternal life, who is God, the great questions. Well, they're too much to bear, and so we divert ourselves, we, di we distract ourselves. What's the desert but the place where the divertissement, the, the, the diversions and distractions are set aside so I can come to terms with the great issues, the great questions? So that's the setting for this wonderful account. Now, what Jesus faces in the desert would be three classical substitutes for God. And by this I mean three things that will come to reign in one's soul as the ultimate good. You want the basic biblical message? There's only one God, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is Lord alone. There's only one supreme good, and that's God. If you make anything other than God into the supreme good, you will always have, spiritually speaking, trouble. So look at the story now of the temptations as three levels of temptations, three types of diversions from the ultimate good. And the topography is important. We begin on the desert floor, then we move to a higher place, and then to a still higher place. So we're looking at three grades, if you want, of temptation. So let's begin on the desert floor. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command this stone to turn into bread. So now, if you've been to that part of the world, to the Judean desert, you'll see it's 
to this day, littered with stones that look for all the world like little loaves of bread. I can see how someone who's been fasting for days and days, looking out at that scene, would imagine those stones as loaves of bread. And so the devil begins by saying, look, you're the son of God. Turn those stones into bread. Satisfy your physical hunger. Well, here's the first great temptation. To make the satisfaction of sensual desire the highest good in my life. Are there lots of us who fall into this trap? You bet. And sometimes, everybody, the most sophisticated people, people that say, wow, that person really is, is accomplished. They've really attained the highest. But see, all they're interested in, finally, is the satisfaction of their desires for sex and for food and for drink and the pleasures of the body. Think of someone whose life is all about money. Billionaires, that my whole life's about, about getting money. Well, what do you use money for? You use money to buy the, the physical things of the world that satisfy my basic sensual desires. So it's, a, it's not just a house, but a, a gorgeous house. Not just a car, but the best possible car. Not just food, but the best possible food and drink. Well, all I'm doing with all this money is basically satisfying this desire. Turn these stones into bread. Make the satisfaction of sensual desire the central good of your life. Now, during Lent, everybody, we are meant to take a good, hard, long look at this tendency in ourselves. Have I made this low-level pleasure the highest good in my life? If I have, I got trouble. You know, uh, I think here of Thomas Merton, the great spiritual writer, who said the sensual desires are like little kids. You know, if a, a parent is, is uh, dealing with their little kids and, and they want what they want when they want it. Give me now, now, now. Give me something to eat. I, I want that ice cream cone. Give it now, now, now. Well, you don't satisfy every single desire of your kids every minute. You, they, you make them sick. Well, in a similar way, Merton says these desires for sensual pleasure are, are like that. They're insistent. They want what, the, what they want when they want it. But if we give in to them, listen now, we never open ourselves to deeper and higher goods. Think of the good simply of, of friendship, the good of knowledge, the good of science, the, the good of, of, of searching out spiritual truth, the, the good of God. See, I never find those things if I'm preoccupied all the time with the desert floor, which is why now, in response to the devil, what does Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's not denying for a moment that we do indeed live by bread. So we're, we're embodied people. We need sensual uh, pleasure and so on. But that's not the whole story. We don't live by bread, sensual satisfaction alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we got to move higher and not get stuck at the desert floor. Okay? So now let's move in the topography of the story to a higher level because we're going to face a more sophisticated or refined type of temptation. Listen. The devil took him higher and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. Oh, I'll give you all of this if you but bow down and worship me. Okay, it's a more refined temptation. 
but power. Good? Sure. It's, it's a worldly good. Nothing wrong with it. Power is the capacity to affect change. And thank God there are people with power in various positions who can affect change in a positive way. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, God is described as powerful, so power can't be in itself a, a, a negative. But it's just not the highest good. And when I make it the highest good, then my spiritual life falls apart, and I tend to use that power for nefarious purposes. I mean, how often in the literature of the world have we heard that story told? How often in the annals of history do we see people obsessed with power giving rise to terrible injustice? I mean, just think of figures from Alexander the Great to Julius Caesar to Caesar Augustus, Marcus Aurelius, Charlemagne, the Medicis. Charles V, Henry VIII, Louis XIV, Napoleon, Nixon and Kissinger, all the way up to Vladimir Putin. People who are preoccupied with worldly power. And again, in itself, not a bad thing. But if it becomes the central or dominating concern of your life, you will misuse that power in very bad ways. You know, interesting thing to me, um, think of someone at the, at the desert floor level. They're, they're preoccupied with, you know, sensual pleasure. People that are really focused on power, they, they can often be very ascetic. They, they've moved beyond those low-level desires. They can deprive themselves of a lot of those things in order to reach this higher end of power. Okay, okay, but still, power is not God. Notice something, too, I think really interesting in these stories. I don't know anywhere in the literature of the world a more thoroughgoing critique of human power than this story. Why? Because the devil says to Jesus, all these I will give you. Implication, he owns them all, <laughs> right? Implication, they belong to him. And so, again, not to strictly demonize power, that's not right, but let's face it, for so many people and so often in human history, when worldly power becomes a dominant concern, it does indeed become a plaything of the devil. It belongs to the devil. What's Jesus' response now to this second, this higher temptation? Scripture has it, you shall do homage to the Lord your God, him alone you shall adore. What's he saying? I'm not going to adore the devil. I'm not going to adore the, the power that he uses often for his purposes. No, no. Notice, please, my adoration, that means my orientation to the sumum bonum, the highest good, is not directed toward power, but toward God. Okay? So we've done the desert floor. We've gone to a higher point of vantage. And now to the highest, the third temptation. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem, set him on the parapet of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He'll bid his angels to watch over you. Now, what is this? Low level is sensual um, pleasure. The second level is worldly power. What's this one? I'd refer to it as glory, honor. The temple in Jesus' time? That was the most important building you could imagine. It was at the heart of the capital city of Jerusalem. It was, it was a, a political and religious and cultural center. It was the focal point of, of Israelite life. 
It was seen, in fact, as the dwelling place of God on earth. Everybody went up to the temple. So you're standing on the parapet of the temple. That means I'm at the center of this whole society. Everybody sees me. Everybody notices me. In fact, in fact, even God has to notice me because if I throw myself down, he's obliged to send his angels to make sure I don't hurt myself. So sensual pleasure, that's one thing. But some people, they can eschew that because they're interested in power. But still others can eschew both sensual pleasure and worldly power because what they want is this. They want fame and honor and glory to be noticed, admired, look at me. It's the great narcissistic temptation. Look, is honor a bad thing in itself? No. I always love Thomas Aquinas' definition of honor as the flag of virtue. So if we see something virtuous and good and we say, hey, hey, look at that. Try to imitate that. I put a flag on it. Well, that's honor. That's why we honor people with, you know, degrees and with awards and so on. Okay, you know, look in themselves. You get an award and, oh, that's nice, and you put it on a shelf somewhere. It's not, it's not the award that matters so much. It's just a flag of virtue to, to, let's say, students at a university or people in the wider society. Okay, nothing in itself wrong with that. The trouble is when people get addicted to honor and glory and, hey, look at me at the top of the temple. No, no, that leads to nothing but trouble. So Jesus says, the scripture also says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, who do you think you are? <laughs> Standing up on the parapet of the temple and throwing yourself down, fully expecting the people to go, oh, no, and for God to act. Come on, get over yourself. That's what he's saying. Get over this inflation of the ego, which has gone totally out of control and will lead to nothing but trouble. Set aside a preoccupation with sensual pleasure. That's why we fast, by the way, during Lent, right? Set aside an infatuation with worldly power. That becomes a plaything of the devil. Set aside this sort of bloated self-importance of the ego. That just leads to trouble. And keep yourself focused on God what God wants for you, what God desires for you. Make yourself available to his grace. And the trick is, everybody, look, fellow sinners, we all are tempted by these three things. We give into them. I'm like, Jesus, we give into all three of them. But when we surrender to God, make God the sumum bonum, it redounds to our great spiritual benefit. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.